What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of Jack of All. Second day of 2019. I'm just wondering how many checks people have thrown away because they did 2018 and thought to themselves, wait a second, it's not 2018, that was last year. Alright, so far, this is the stupidest start to any podcast, but that's fine. Alright, here's what I want to talk about. When I was growing up, maybe you were like this, um, I was, and to be honest, I still kind of am, an adrenaline junkie. It's always been a part of me. And it's a part of me that's I can never figure out really, you know. It's kind of a weird, like you don't talk about that part. Um, yeah, I think like the good part of it, the cool part of it is that I like adventure. But the gnarly part is that, you know, it's this thing that needs to be fed, you know. And its appetite is like progressive. Like it has to be more and more and more. Uh, there's a term, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's hedonic set point. Everybody has a hedonic set point. And basically what that is, is it's the point that your body releases endorphins into your body and you get that like euphoric feeling. Um, so yeah, the endorphins release is how you experience like the high, that, that thrill. And that's what adrenaline junkies live for, right? Is that endorphin release uh, when you skydive or when you do something crazy well here's the problem with that with the donic set point is that once your set point is set you pretty much have to exceed it for endorphins to be released right so you have to kind of one up yourself continually that's that's the problem and a lot of it comes from you know this thrill of the unknown and um man i've never done this before and uh, even the danger of something could go wrong. And uh, so that's that's why it's dangerous. Um, so growing up, I would always push myself kind of to do more, to go the next place. And I would jump off bridges that I shouldn't have and jump off cliffs that there's no way I should have. And um, one time I actually, on a road trip, I got out. It was this back road. And I... I held onto the top of a car, like onto the windows because I have a huge wingspan, and held onto the top of a car as it went over 100 miles per hour. Like just stupid stuff, man. Proof that I was just this naive, nothing could ever happen to me kid, right? That just comes with youth. And I have looked back on those decisions that time a lot and thought, dude, I can't believe nothing ever happened. And I've also thought, am I going to tell my kids about this? You know, I want to be an open book, but I don't want to give them ideas. There's no way I want my kids doing half the crap that I did. Um, anyway, another part of this hedonic set point component is, um, yeah, you if you have something that's radical enough to push past like the limits right to give you that endorphin release that is very transcendent in your life that's not just with these physical stunts um that's a huge danger in in the drug world right um if that's part of your story you've probably experienced this that um that's why you've heard the term gateway drug is because it gives you this sense of release or high but then your body regulates to that 
right? It regulates to the intake, and then you have to up the ante. So it has to be more and more often until there's just a complete physical decline. Um, so transcendent in the drug world, it's transcendent sexually as well, right? When you're in junior high and you hold a girl's hand for the first time and you're just over the moon, right? You get that thrill. Um, but, you know, that doesn't, doesn't last forever. <laughs> the desire progresses, right? Nobody is, nobody's ever looked forward to holding hands on their wedding night. <laughs> Your desires mature or progress. And so hedonic set point is, is in that. Actually, that's why porn is so damaging is because porn never, it never plateaus, right? It's never just, oh, this will always satisfy. You've got to explore like weirder and weirder things. And then just, you know, just watching doesn't cut it anymore. You got to go out and experience it with someone else. It's a progressive thing. That is the hedonic set point in action. Um, actually why people who are sexually abused as kids have such a problem with promiscuity. It's because their hedonic set point is set so high, so young, that they pretty much like feel nothing unless they are pushing their limits to this wildly inappropriate level. So now you talk about hedonic set point and that for sure sounds bad, right? It sounds like, dude, there can't be anything good about that. That just... It sounds like it's just steamrolling people to this moral and physical bankruptcy, but I don't think so because we were created with that, right? And so, yeah, maybe that's the dark side of the equation, but I think that our hedonic set point or our hedonic trigger or whatever can be activated with healthy intimacy, right? With maybe... If you talk adventure, it doesn't just have to be death defiance. It can be a response to challenge. There are ways to make it a healthy response um, to actually trigger that endorphin release. Um, yeah, sex, the sexual side of it, right? What if your sexual stimulus wasn't you know, more images or more fantasies or more people, but more and more solidified with one person? A huge part of my role when I was a um, youth pastor was talking with parents and they would always ask me about having a sex talk with their kids. And they'd say, how do I do this? Like, what does that look like? I don't even know what to say. And I've told them not to have sex. Is that good? And um, that was a huge shift I told them to make. I said, listen, don't just say don't have sex. Don't do that. It's not going to land they're not going to know why, and you're creating more intrigue than anything. So don't just say don't have sex, and don't say, you know, sex is bad, because it's not, right? Sex is awesome. I can't think of a better way to spend 40 seconds. So don't say sex is bad. The approach I would take is to talk about how precious this word is, and the word is intimacy, that's the word that you need to be selling. Intimacy is the most beautiful gift and something we don't talk about very often. Um, what intimacy is created, not created for, what it is, is this sensation or this feeling that fortifies our relationships, right? It is wrapped up in honesty. It's wrapped up in vulnerability. It's wrapped up in trust. 
there, of course, there's a physical component. There's a companionship component that fortifies our relationship. But this day and age, intimacy has become kind of like a punchline to jokes, you know? Actually, let's take sex, for example. Um, here's how intimacy is supposed to fortify. Uh, this is true. Every time a person orgasms, the brain takes like a snapshot of what you're looking at. And it kind of files that back there and tries to attribute that to this feeling of orgasm. That's why pornography is dangerous is because you're taking this connection, right? That even the sensation of orgasm, that the, the action of sex is the most powerful, like physical, emotional, and spiritual connection you can have. And now that's attributed to hundreds, if not thousands of different snapshots that you have in your mind. And for a guy, for example, now for a guy, the, the brain is trying to find like some commonality throughout the snapshots, right? To kind of learn of what to attribute this feeling to. And so it begins to associate sex or begins to associate orgasm with females because that is the constant throughout these thousands of different snapshots. That's why objectification is at an all-time high because men have just trained their brains to send these sexual impulses whenever they see a female just because of the sheer magnitude of different snapshots the brain has associated with orgasm. That's why it's so dangerous. So when people talk about, you know, the way that God designed it is to save sex to marriage and people are like, me, boring. It's, this is not a rule to follow or, or to, to shame you or shame on you. This is the reason to do it. The reason is, um, uh, think about the other side. Right? If intimacy has just been uh, perverted and, and doesn't exist anymore because of you know, how many different snapshots you have, if the snapshot that your brain takes and associates with orgasm is only your spouse, right? then it, it would groove this mind pattern of intimacy almost to the point of euphoria kind of with that person. And your brain is no longer looking everywhere, right? Trying to find like a best fit line with a thousand plot points. Instead, you have one person associated with that level of intimacy and it fortifies that relationship. So parents, if you're ever looking for a way to start talking about sex with your kids, man, start by talking about the real travesty of objectification being that it devalues the beauty of intimacy which truly is one of god's greatest gifts so speaking of the next generation i saw a video come across youtube the other day i rewatched it i've seen it a thousand times and this is probably going to be more of a niche than most of the segments on the podcast but you know how there are just some things that seem like they were your time, you know, it's just, it seemed like your life was that, that felt your life. You know how you'll have a summer song. Well, looking back, it's like, man, that was just a huge part of a lot of years of my life. So some would say, dude, Larry Bird was just my time, right? Or Led Zeppelin was just my time. One of the most socially influencing things in my time, honestly, was the show Jackass. I know that sounds crazy to say, but um, 
I grew up with that show. Maybe there was a piece of that adrenaline junkie connection with it, but I remember being in high school when this underground um, footage release, it was called CKY, um, stood for Can't Kill Yourself, it was the name of a band, but uh, it was Bam Margera, if you know that name, Ryan Dunn, this guy named Brandon DiCamillo, Chris Rabb, this insane looking dude named Raycheon, but uh, it was like an underground take footage everywhere you go, really rebellious feel, um, doing like stupid pranks, nonconformist kind of, and man, it it was such a cult following. Uh, mainly, if you haven't heard of it, that's why, is because there was this huge niche demographic demographic of people who felt this defines us mainstream doesn't define us this defines us and the video that came across was a tribute to the guy Ryan Dunn who's who died in a uh, a car crash uh, one of the jackass guys recently um, but it got me thinking back to how CKY and jackass connected so much with this youth or the next generation and uh, I don't know. There's something to be said about connecting with, like the the rebellion inside of youth. Uh, I I wasn't ever really the crazy rebellious type, um, but it seems like whoever or whatever has tried to target that audience throughout history, right? Whoever's gone after that phase of life has always made huge waves. Think about the the people who uh, have maybe maybe not marketed to, but caught a lot of momentum from that. Think of Elvis, right? Think of Beatles, uh, The Clash, Sex Pistols. Then think of the grunge scene, right? Nirvana, Pearl Jam, um, Fresh Prince, right? Parents Just Don't Understand, Beavs and Butthead, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, yeah, I, there are probably a, a million, but CKY was that. Uh, it was this, it was like a fit for the misfits, right? This common voice for those who just feel like they're passed over. And um, I didn't even realize it until I watched this video the other day, but that was a huge connection with junior high ministry for me. That was why I went into junior high ministry, is that feeling starts there in junior high, maybe even a little bit earlier, where you need somebody to know you. You need to be a part of something. You need someone to value you, right? Someone that you feel is on your team and you're on theirs. Um, mild digression here, but I took a Youth Gangs in America course in college, which was just like an automatic A for athletes, pretty much. But I was more into that class than any other because I'm so intrigued by social studies. Um, but when kids get into gangs, yes, there's a reason is protection, sure. But even more, it said that the desire is to belong to something. That it might be the strongest human desire is the desire to belong. Uh, actually, one of the horrible stories in that class one of these little kids who wanted to be part of a gang 
one of the things was you had to kill somebody that you love. And he went and killed his mom uh, just to be in this gang. And the interview with him was saying, I just wanted to be a part of a family who loved me. And it was just, man, it was, it was gut-wrenching. But when we don't feel that we belong to something, we seek until we do. Right, really, it might be the strongest human desires, the desire to belong. And I think the high school is clicky, uh, not because those kids want to be exclusive. I, really, I don't even think that it's malicious. I think it's because they all want to feel a part of a family, right, that they belong. And it's funny, when you look at the different cliques in high school and the stereotypes that define those groups, man, those... That doesn't fit anybody perfectly. The stereotype of the goth crowd or the or the jocks or the, the band, that doesn't fit anybody. But you will shoehorn your personalities and your preferences to fit into those cliques just to be a part of a family. Just to feel like you're with something. So, I don't know what the rebellion pull is right now. I don't know what the CKY of this generation is. I'm sure that there's something... Uh, in my day, it was Marilyn Manson. That was huge. I think his album came out in like 96 or something when I was 13. And it was the real start of the goth movement. Um, by the way, side note, you want just a late night video to watch that's very interesting? Go YouTube um, the interview of Marilyn Manson by Bill O'Reilly. Marilyn Manson is a sharp dude, man. He is very, very sharp. It is, uh, it is one of the better interviews I've ever seen. I should talk about that on here sometime. Anyway, um, okay, so take the goth kid, right, in high school. He's got Marilyn Manson shirt. He's got eyeliner. He's got like a choke necklace. I don't know, black painted fingernails. That's not what that kid really wants, Right? I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think so. If you put that kid on a desert island by himself, there is no way he dresses in that, is all I'm saying. But there's the desire to fit in, right? There's the the desire to belong so much that you will shoehorn uh, what you look like and, and your decisions just so that you can have somebody who's on your team. And that age... That mentality, and us, to be honest, but even more, this upcoming new generation is so moldable um, that you will see, if you just look around, you have either people who want to speak life into it, which is why I got into junior high ministry, and to build it up, and to strengthen it, and to give it courage and value, or you have people who prey on it, right? Um, You have people who try to make money off of it, or manipulate it for their political or social agenda. Uh, And no matter who you are listening, I'm telling you, you have people who are listening to you. You don't think that you do. The next generation is looking to you. Uh, Not because they even think that you're super smart, even though I'm sure that you are. They're looking to you because they want to belong to something. They want to feel valued. They want to feel important. So how do we make people feel like they belong around us. How do we do that? What if we are people that that people wanted to be around because they just felt so valued and important when they're around us? 
um, offer a listening ear, right? Not to preach, not to teach. You don't have to fix or give a cool lesson, just to listen. Kids don't have a lot of people who listen to them. They have teachers who teach, they have coaches who coach. They don't have a lot of people to listen to them. Um, Give them a word of encouragement. Again, not a message that they hear very often. Maybe even an invitation, right? An invitation to whatever, like lunch, uh, to a movie, to a party, to anything. Just enough that says, dude, you belong around me. You, you fit in. You don't have to do this crazy crap to manipulate yourself. Uh, just who you are is enough. And I want to give you that value. Because like we said before, right, we're either fighting for people against insecurity or we are on the side of insecurity making people feel like they need to be more to fit in. So, uh, man, let's be ones who speak life and who people, uh, that's, that's very infectious. People will want to be around you if you're the one that is speaking value in life. So, all right, 21 minutes. That looks good for today. Um, hope you guys have an awesome day and find a way to apply this and speak life into somebody around you and we'll try again tomorrow.